freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you a minute. That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! You ever see some information and think it's got to be wrong, so wrong that maybe you're misreading it? Like, that can't be the case. I must be reading this wrong because there's no way that's true. Like Jose Caballero having a (laughs) 1.4 war and Julio having a 1.3? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that type of thing. Like, hey, maybe I don't understand war. Right. (laughs) Right? Like, maybe I just don't really understand this. Correct. I have in my hand here, Brock, or at least in front of me, Mm. the umpire scorecard for Sean Barber last night against the you know, with the Mariners. Tough night for Sean. Tough. Here's Tough here's night. what it says. I, overall accuracy. 94%. Okay? League average is expected thank is thank 90 you for, Thank you for putting your Expected is 93%. What? So he was better than expected. What? Overall consistency, 92% down from the average of 94%. Relative accuracy. 0.3% above expected. He was more accurate than you should have expected him to be. And then finally, this one. Overall factor. Who did he help more than he hurt? 0.65 runs in favor of the Seattle Mariners. Oh, my gosh. His called ball accuracy was at 98%, better than average. Here's where he did get hurt. He called strike accuracy was at just 83%. Nine of 54 called strikes were actually balls. It seems like a lot. Yeah, and it felt like every one of those was a meaningful moments against Kellenick and Suarez. The thing is, he got Castillo out of the fourth, right, with a, with a huge call where it was clearly out of the strike zone, yep. and he called that a strike. He helped out Castillo in the first uh, a couple of the ones against Kelnick were just absolutely just egregious and impactful. But, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, you watch that game as a Mariner fan, and first of all, I, I don't know who's I, – I I mean, I guess this thing is is totally impartial, and it's just looking at it the, is. It's totally the based digital on the elements right. of it. But yep. I got to tell you, he seemed worse than that in the moment. Mm-hmm. That was a – that seemed like a brutal night for the home plate ump. It, it felt like that, but those numbers are those numbers. I know. And that, that, is, that is how they are evaluated, and, and that's how they're judged. And I would say this, as Jerry talked about, Sean Barber, and getting back to the clubhouse and going back to the hotel last night and everything else, to to give him a little benefit of the doubt, good luck umpiring Luis Castillo. Good, And then that kid last night at 6'8", throwing 98 with movement as well, like, oh, my gosh. like This is going to be, we talk about it for some of these hitters, like, buckle up. Buckle up, man. It's going to be a hard night. And we never, ever think about that other team on the field, right? We never think about that umpiring team that does travel, that does get graded, that does get evaluated. And on a night like last night where Castillo has great stuff but no command of it? Correct. Just a bit messy. (laughs) What do you do? Yep. Right? And then you get Brash coming in, throwing 98 to 100 with the cross-body movement and everything else. Yeah, it's it's a tough gig being an umpire. And, and as much as I have argued against the idea of, of going to the robo-ump, 
mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that is the best argument in favor of it is it's just unfortunately the game has kind of moved beyond what those guys are capable of behind the plate. It just it's too fast. There's then, so much movement, then, et cetera. But then you see that guy last year in that Yankees epic thriller. That was unbelievable. Perfect. Perfect on both sides of it. Yeah, but it was, just... it's so rare. <laughs> right? I mean, like, yep. I'm starting to come around. I mean, like, I, I hate myself for it. But, I mean, Justin, I, you and I argued about this quite a bit a year or so ago. At, at some point, I think the thing that is starting to change my mind is how much movement and velocity these guys have. When you, when you watch Pitching Ninja, right, the next day and you see these two-seam fastballs, not sliders, Two seam fastballs that move eighteen to twenty four inches horizontally like at ninety four miles an hour. Like I, I don't, I don't know how anybody could be expected to make a good call consistently on balls that move like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like my biggest issue with it is if you're going to introduce the technology anywhere, I'm all or nothing on it. Like if you're going to introduce technology in different places mm. and reviews and whatever, like th- then do it all. Like I just and we're seeing it at the minor leagues. I mean, the minor leagues has always been the training ground, right? And it was a training ground for uh, the pitch clock, and we have seen that get elevated and and be a part of this. I don't know. I I like the human element. I like being mad. So 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 do you think they should? How about a challenge system though? See, I don't. I do not want. I would not want every ball and strike to be called digitally. I think that would be annoying. Yep. Honestly, I do. You you enjoy getting mad at it? No, I don't because enjoy I getting mad at it. But, but they've been like, a part of really the game. The for... umpires. I think it's okay for that to be a part of the game. And I miss honestly, learning the names of these umpires. Tennis but... has it right, man. <laughs> tennis tennis has the best replay system of any sport, right? I mean, if you've ever watched any tennis, it's instant. You get a certain number of challenges a game. It takes less than five seconds. You instantly find out whether it was a good call or bad, and they move on. Honestly. Yep. If you gave baseball some sort of a challenge system equivalent to tennis, I would absolutely be good with that. And you know what? It would have worked for and against the Mariners last night. Castillo yep. would have been in some trouble, probably bigger trouble early. But also, Kelnick and Caballero and Teo all wouldn't have had it bats completely stolen from them. You know, in, in Caballero's case, there were two pitches that were not close. In both Kelnick and Teo, they were on, what, 2-1 counts, two, one, which yeah. we heard from Pass, and he ended up texting me last night his little chart <laughs> that shows the difference between a 3-1 and a 2-2 count. Yeah. Yeah, I think Suarez it's, got it's a bad one. Gigantic. Yep. It's yep. a huge, huge difference. The biggest delta of any of any count. So yeah, I, I I would be in favor, I think, now. Maybe last night was the final straw for me, but I think I would be in favor of a challenge system. Yeah. I think I am with you. Uh big picture. Just totally big picture question. This team is thirty three and thirty four as we sit here right now. Mm. How do they get out of this five hundred rut? How do they continue to just keep digging? You know, because like you, I've, I've got a bunch of friends and passionate fans, and and I know Joe Fan will be on with us tomorrow, and today wasn't necessarily the day, and there still isn't the market movement for Jerry to tell us the moves he's going to make, and, and, and I know they're fielding calls and everything else. How does this team dig itself, continue to dig out of That's just why I was so mad about last night's game is it's by winning games like last night. Right. It's by winning those ones that are kind of toss ups that you can win. And, uh, you know, if you were listening at 6 a.m., you would have heard me go through a very long blackjack explanation, Brock, about how last night was similar to blackjack, which I stand by. But blackjack has those moments where, you know, you go all in on a hand. 
right? You split twos against a six, and then you get another two, and then you get a double down. And the next thing you know, instead of having 50 bucks out there, you got 250 bucks out there on one hand, and then you hit it. Yep. They're going to need something like that because they've gotten themselves kind of behind the eight ball. And so each of these games has a little bit more riding on it. Yep. And yeah, I was super freaking mad last night and it carried all the way into about eight thirty, seven thirty this morning when we talked to DMAC and he made me laugh hard enough to shake me out of my funk. I, I I found last night to just be unbelievable frustr unbelievable Timing. frustration. Right. Because Timing. you gotta win some of those games. You need to yep. win more games like last night. And it will mean more against the AL. It'll mean more against the Yankees and Baltimore and Texas. Like at least it's a National League team that's not going to factor in as much. But I, I really, you, you got to win those fifty-fifty games. Yeah, and and you hate to say you got to sweep away an awful White Sox team that can't hit. I mean, they put up their numbers of what they're hitting in in June, and it's under two hundred. Is it? I mean, they are mired in a big time slump, and it means taking care of business. And I hate to say you need a sweep. You don't need a sweep, but you got to keep playing good baseball. You got to win this series, but you've got to, at some point, eventually, the math will tell you. And last year it was a 14 game win streak, and that is wholly unlikely this year. I doubt that that is going to happen in this American League and with the scheduling and everything else. You don't need a 14 game winning streak, but you do need to get on a run. You do, need, you do need to win six in a row. You do need to win eight out of 10. You yep. do need to win 12 out of 15. Like, you do need to start banking together and stringing together wins. It doesn't need to be 14 in a row. Of course not. That's probably never going to happen again. Yep. But you do need to win 12 of 15 at some point to sort of yep. get yourself into the team you're supposed to be. And you better do it before the end of July or this season is is forget about it. So... I guess that's the answer, man. You know what, though, Brock? Approaches like last night and like they've had over the last week will lead to that eventually. With the pitching they've got, I honestly do believe you continue to approach your offense the way you did over the course of the last week, including last night, you will string together some of those wins. Well, you better do it consistently, and you better do it in a hurry. And it better not have to be, you know, well, another week of that. You know, like Jerry said, it's it's messaging. It does change, but just mm-hmm. mathematically in time, yep. time is of the essence. <laughs> That's a great way of looking at it. We'll come right back, speaking of time, and give you everything you need to know. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, Jerry DePoto said that it was a series of frustrations that ultimately made him laugh when it was all said and done. For me, I don't know whether I found laughter last night. I was just super frustrating watching that and it all no, culminated. You no, you found a lot of ducks. Yeah. We got a lot, a lot of, of ducks things quacking and yeah, yeah. I, thanks iPhone. That's definitely what I meant to say. Oh yeah. I thought it was cool. You know, it was just uh Gino he's got a knack for doing that late in games, barreling balls up. He can certainly get the ball in the air. Um I thought it was gone. You know, and again, fantastic play um by Sanchez. Just not quite enough, needed about another foot. Gosh, I knew I was gonna ask Jerry. Good play, great play, outstanding play, fantastic play. How would you characterize that play by the right fielder? What is he supposed to say? Of course he's going to say the other team made a great play. Their outfielders all night made great plays. You saw a team in in why the Marlins are seven games over 500 in a playoff push in that National League. They got some fun dudes, man. They got some athletic guys that that can run. And and, uh, you win the series against a good team. I will not 
begrudge that at all. That is something we have been asking for. You go and get that done. But you could also see why those guys have not been swept much this year. The Atlanta Braves, the only team to sweep them away. They have found a way through just their dynamics and their team to at least get one. They got that one yesterday, an off day today. And then Jason Benetti's White Sox come to town over the weekend. That's what I was going to say. Second thing you need <laughs> that, to know. That's how I was going to finish that. You're going to call them Benetti's White Sox? No, but I was going to say you have a day off and then the White Sox come in. You oh, kind of stole my line. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll turn to the Seahawks then. Their offseason program is in the books, Brock. I would say the hay there is in the barn, so to speak. And yeah, uh, by all line, it's been fairly successful. I mean, it seems like everybody's very happy, certainly very tranquil. Pete was excited to get everybody in for this little passing camp this past week. Uh, it's a passing camp, uh, well, uh, three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so we'll be out throwing the ball a lot and working on the pass game stuff, pass rush stuff, um, really featuring the young guys uh, in, in this this sequence here. And, and uh, Gino and, and Drew are going to uh, they'll lead the charge. You know, they'll do a nice job. So it was nice to have them around, and uh, they weren't the only ones. There were a bunch nope. of veterans that said, "Yeah, I'll stick around as long as we're as long as we're here. Let's go." Yeah, last week open to the media, mandatory mini camp open. Everybody got to watch those three days of practice. The media did. This is different. This is back to those OTAs, closed doors. So you're just kind of you, you're just kind of captive to what the Seahawks tweet out. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, some of the stuff they tweeted out, including Ken Walker going down the sideline, looking like Tyler Lockett. Diving and making an unbelievable catch. And then that finished off the whole deal with the Devin Witherspoon interception off of your lefty, man. Your lefty finally got some reps from mm. East Carolina. And? But you never want the final rep no. of the final offseason. Oh. I've been there. I threw, a, oh. I threw a pick on a screen with the Colts. Not what you're looking for. Not at all. On a screen? Yeah. Come on, Brock. You're better than that. Pretty you're bad. better than that. Pretty bad. Here's the third thing you need to know. Offseason now underway for the crack, and you get a couple of weeks of dealing with, you know, uh, restricted free agency. That's Vince Dunn, Morgan Geeky, Will Borgen. You got little decisions like that. Not little, but decisions like that to make. And then, obviously, the draft will be June 28th, and a couple days later on July 1st, free agency opens. Last year, it was a big part of their strategy, right? They brought in Andre Burakovsky. They brought in Oliver Bjorkstrand. They brought in Martin Jones. They had success uh, with uh, Justin Schultz. I mean, they they were pretty active in free agency last year, and they're a team that still has a lot of opportunity given their cap space situation to go after more players will it be primarily free agency is there a trade is there because it's not a great free agent class is there a way to bring in some star power you're probably going to need to turn to the trades in order to get it done ron francis joined us a couple weeks ago yeah i mean you, you always like to have those guys if you can they're not always readily available you go back to the expansion you know teams get to protect their best seven forwards and their best three defenses so usually those superstars are in that group that they're protecting and the only way to really get those guys is is to you know draft and develop and you know that's what we've tried to do on the amateur side in our drafts it, and there may be an opportunity this year just with Toronto in a weird spot to acquire a superstar kind of talent through the trade market. Save for baseball, where there is no salary cap. Is there ever a great free agent class in any sport anymore? I mean, seriously, think about that over the over the years in football and in basketball and in hockey. Like, you know, when you have a salary cap, 
And those teams know their guys better than anybody else. And, and, and with all of the technology and all of the data and all of the numbers and, you know, so much of the new innovation that has gone into these front offices around all of those sports. Have you ever heard of I mean, last year we did a baseball, right, with these with these shortstops. This is a great free agent class, and there's going to be five guys all get paid 200 That's a good question. I, I just don't know if there are great free agent classes in football, hockey, and basketball anymore. You so. know, and, and one of the things, even in baseball, often a lot of those guys will get dealt. The pending, the guys who don't want to sign will get dealt a year or two out, right. and then they sign with a new team. So instead of free agency, you get them and then sign them long term. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good question. That's everything you need to know. Uh, we do that quarter past every hour. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. The Kraken will be in an interesting spot mm-hmm. in terms of how hard they want to go after what's out there in free agency and trades or whether they want to start to trust some of their young guys. It's hard to trust young guys when you're coming off the playoffs and you want to be you know, even better than you were a year ago. But you've drafted Shane Wright and Riker Evans, and you saw what Ty Cartier brought last year. Young players in hockey can certainly yep. bring you a lot of success. So I don't, I don't know what direction they yeah. go and how much they're willing to give up. And by the way, in that conversation as well, it's not only that side of the pendulum with the free with the front offices. It's also players that are willing to say, yeah, yeah, there's not many Kirk Cousins that will play out contracts. Oh, you want me on a franchise? Okay, I'll play this one year. I'll play this one year. There's not many of those that also say, right. yeah, I'll, I'll turn down that generation. I'll bet on myself. Yeah, I'll turn down that $100 million. Yeah. yeah. Because of just the fickle nature of the business and the injury and everything else that unfortunately comes with it on that side of it, too. All right, Brock, it is very rare, very rare. That anything you or I say or do gets recognized by the players in town and certainly not in a positive way. So when it happens, it certainly piques my interest. We had that happen yesterday. You may not even know about it, but I'll tell you why, how, and what it led me to do next. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. It is rare that uh, anybody on a local team compliments us, Brock, but I will uh, get to that here in just a moment. I I should have asked you before it actually got started. Do you have somebody that you uh, are either rooting for or believe will win the U.S. Open, which is now underway? Hmm. I just always root for Spieth. <laughs> you know, I said before I mean, you I, came on today that you were going to try to get under my skin, and uh, you yeah, know that's not true. You I you do. root against him, and you know it. Gosh, I love that text, and I love everything about him. I want you him are to the worst. You are the worst friend. I root for him every. <laughs> you weekend. are the him worst friend. And Joel Damon, my buddy out of okay. Clarkston. Yeah, how about those two? All right. You? Well, Joe Damon, yeah. Well, obviously, I'll be rooting for Jordan, of course. Uh, in terms of who I thought would win, Xander Shoffley was the guy that sort of jumped out to me mm-hmm. as a uh, as a Southern California guy. He's from San Diego. They're playing in L.A. Anyway, he's two under, so he's uh I kind tied of for not third. like to see the live guys do well in this one. They've kind of been the story in the I last know. two majors, so wouldn't mind with all that chaos and poor Jay Monahan, who's on medical leave right now. I mean, sure, and you know what's going to happen, right? One of these live guys is good. Dustin Johnson's going to probably win the whole I, thing. I could, be right DJ's another one that I could absolutely see yep. do that. Just bully this course this week. So Who won last year, uh, last year's U.S. Open was Matt Fitzpatrick. Oh, Fitzpatrick. Yes. Oh, that's won, right. Scheffler. Brookline. Yeah. Yep. 
almost one. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a lot of the course looks awesome, really challenging and with some really cool different holes. So uh, looking forward to watching that. Uh, right now, the leader is a guy named Omar Morales, who uh, I don't know who that is. Anyway, okay. uh, Brock, talked yesterday about the Goldilocks zone oh. for the Seahawks. Yes. Right? You remember that? I do. We're talking about the Goldilocks zone and how the Seahawks are sort of in a cool spot right now where they're not they're not so young or, or bereft of talent that you look at them and say, all right, well, they can't compete. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. But they're not like a lot of the teams around the league that are dealing with contract disputes because everybody wants a piece of the pie and everybody wants the credit fairly. I mean, I'm not I I don't have a problem, honestly, with the players showing the small bit of leverage they have. But it does happen over time. Right. When the Chiefs have won now a couple of times. Guess what? Chris Jones wants to get paid. I don't blame him. I would want to get paid if I were Chris Jones. Uh, just like, uh, you Stephon know. Stephon Diggs in yeah. Buffalo, Aaron Donald in L.A. Just, yep, veteran guys. Cam Jordan, you're just old, so stay at home. You don't really need to be even a part of the of the Saints. All of those are different situations, but yes. But they're all sort of in the same vein, and the Seahawks are in that Goldilocks zone where they're not old enough yet, they're not established enough yet, that that's a problem. So uh, I we put out the video from our conversation yesterday on Twitter, and uh, you know who liked it was Quandre Diggs. No. Oh. Nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that is. It nice. doesn't happen every day. He so said he I was the show. Remember, uh, he did say he loved the show, right? So I right. guess maybe there was some truth to all of that. I mean, poo poo take on Jamal Adams, but right? I mean, poo poo take, but yeah, did enjoy the show. But kind of, kind of like the take on the Goldilocks zone. And again, that's rare. Generally, we don't get a lot of positive reinforcement from the players in town. So yeah. I took note of that. I thought that was cool. Shout out to Quandre. And it got me to think a little bit more about it last night and, and ended up writing about it. You can read it at seattlesports.com. And it, it, it got me thinking more specifically about the Legion of Boom and all of the conversations we've had, not just you and me, but really everybody in town, about trying to recreate whatever it was, whatever that secret sauce was that led to such success during that 2012 to, let's call it 14 or 15 time frame. And we've gone over all of the all of it. Right. Was it the rules that were different? Was it the offensive line? Was it Russell on a rookie contract? Was it, you know, the tall corners, the cover three, the unbelievable depth? I mean, there's so many different with things that you could point to and say that was part of the secret sauce. And to some extent, all of them are true. All of those things had an effect, obviously. But I wonder if we haven't spent enough time talking about just sort of where they were in that cycle mm-hmm. that they were for a few years in that Goldilocks zone where they had young guys that had proven their worth in the NFL, but were ascending. They weren't at that point where they were fighting about credit. They were and 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 we got there, right? Marshawn wanted to get paid and Bobby wanted to get paid and Cam wanted to get paid and Russ wanted to get paid. And I don't blame any of them. They all deserved to get paid. They were all phenomenal athletes doing incredible things. I have no issues with them wanting to get paid. But eventually, when everybody wants what the team can't give you end up in a situation where it starts to tear things apart and when st- and 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 it's hard to recover from that it's hard to maintain it without absolute brutality like you see in new england this century there has been only one team that could stay in the goldilocks zone there's only one in in the nfl right and, and that is what what transpired in new england 
And is that because of Goldie, the Golden Boy? Is that because Tom Brady just Partly. took? Uh, yeah, I think that that was. I think a it was two things, it. right? It was Tom Brady, and it was Bill Belichick's just ruthless nature. It was cold-hearted. It, it, Belichick's ruthless business, and this. I'm sorry, it's all about the business on the field. It yep. was Tom Brady taking a little bit less, and not even a little bit less, taking quite a bit less in his contracts and not holding them over a barrel and not getting every last dollar and not taking so much of the cap space. And that's it, Salk. I mean, the, these conversations, I'm sure, could have been had and have been had and Green Bay have been had and New Orleans have been had and Indianapolis have been had and many of these other markets that won a Super Bowl but could not sustain. New York Giants could not could not just do it over a long period because everything is largely set up against you in the NFL to be in that Goldilocks zone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the salary cap, the draft, the schedule, all of it is set up so, yeah, you're not going to get comfortable. It's going to get really hard for you. And I do I do seem to remember, maybe it was more off the record, we had this conversation with Pete, or maybe it was on the record, and it was around Russell. And if you could go back to those years, 14 and 15, and do things differently, what could you have done to stay in that era? What could they have done? They would have had to make harder decisions earlier. They would just would not have been able, as yeah. much as they loved the continuity and keeping everybody together and paying everybody, in the end, you still couldn't pay them all enough. See, also, Cam Chancellor holding out that you were going to appease all the big bad bears. It just wasn't going to happen. No, it, you can't. I mean, it just there's no way to do it. And you could kind of get them for the second contract, but by the third contract, when that's starting to come around again, it just it, it just doesn't pay, and you can't afford to make that decision on everybody. And you know, I think that has repercussions. I think that ripples throughout the the mm-hmm. locker room and on the field, et cetera. The Seahawks are in a cool spot right now. They're not they're not fighting any of those battles. There's nobody on this team who's demanding to get paid who doesn't really need it or deserve it or anything like that, or even does deserve it, but the money's not there for them. There's nobody like that right no. now. No. There'll be a conversation next year about where you're at with Jamal Adams, obviously, and, and maybe that was a, a foolhardy mistake that they've made. And DK, at some point, that'll come back around again. At some point, you're going to have to make a decision on Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. But you're not in a in a spot right now where you have no. any of those big fights. Now, there's a downside to that, which is that over a course of a few years, you didn't draft enough great players <laughs> that right now are out there trying to get paid. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you seem to have remedied that in the last couple of years, but you're in a cool spot right now where those guys don't want to get paid. And quite frankly, you don't, you can't pay them because they're on their rookie deals. Yeah. It kind of goes back to the blue 88 conversation we had last week where I was, I looked through the whole 89 man roster trying to find those kind of veterans that have been paid and, you know, maybe this is the ruthless ruthless decision right. you got to make. There's not that. <laughs> I mean, there's not even that on this roster either on, on any of that end where you're like, yeah, man, you better show up or, oh, boy, you're going to make this guy unhappy. Oh, it's going to gonna rock the locker room a little bit because this stud that's been here and done this for you, now you're going to ask to take a little hair. There's not that either. Mm-mm. Yeah, it is a pretty darn sweet spot to be. So in. how important is that to have everybody fighting for those first few contracts versus fighting to, you know, maintain and the credit and get paid and all of that? Well, I think it, it leads a little bit to that article that Justin sent us yesterday from the ringer of how few teams are built to last. And that that is the NBA. And that's talking about the Nuggets and, and what they have and how they have been patient and how they have endured and how they've been and had sustainability, right, and believed in their people. Frankly, as you read that article, I think a little bit of the Mariners 
and how the organization for the first time has not been totally reactionary and just fired managers and moved on and, and been through what they were through the 2000s and before Jerry and Scott of just all of these moving pieces. So you never settle into any continuity of foundation. Mariners have that. Mm. They've, been, they've been abundantly patient. And now, you know, they've got a young core, right, that is seemingly built to last a little bit. And, you know, what, what are the moves? Totally different sport than football because of the salary cap. But I also, if time is of the essence for these Mariners in the math game, time is a bit of the essence for John and Pete as well. Yeah, I, with, think, that, I think that's Gino, a good point. Yeah. With Gino on largely a year-to-year deal that he was willing to sign up for. A year-to-year deal that says, man, if you're not better than you were the year before, you're not making what you made the year before. So with that in mind, have they done enough to take advantage of this year? I think that's why we keep coming back to I mean, that. They went com- out and signed the high, the second highest paid D lineman. Yep. Right. I mean, you, you go out and you want to talk about free agency. You want to talk about, Hey, did they go out and spend? Did they go for it? Well, they, they spent a lot of money. They were actually in wave one and they mm-hmm. signed, you know, they didn't get Hargraves, but who was number one, but financially is right there with them. Went out and got Dre Jones and took that big swing and went out and got Jaron Reed and paid him pretty good money. Right. So spent all of their salary cap space, went and drafted five and 20 and didn't trade down to try to save money in the draft and are going to be paying a lot of draft picks, a lot of money and guaranteeing Devin Witherspoon many, 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 many millions of dollars. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think they did what they could do this this last offseason to take that next step from a nine and eight team. You know, Condota said something I've been thinking about quite a bit and it was just kind of in passing, but it was one of those that just kind of stuck with me. They were six and three. They were six and three. And remember, they're fighting for the division. And Gina was the MVP conversations. And they were six and three. And then they ended up, including the playoffs, three and six. And, you know, th- th- those are just the frank bottom line. That Those are the numbers. So what are you going to be? Three and three or six and three to three and six. You're going to be the six and three team that goes 12 and six regular season, you know, 11 and five and, and, and really takes that next step. Or are you going to be that? three and 16 that most pundits thought you were going to be mm-hmm. before the year, you know, that ends up being a, a six or seven and you take a step back and yeah, you don't really that have is, your that is sort of the funky question here is, is are we looking at what we think, you know, I see Goldilocks, but is it fool's gold, a different type of gold, mm-hmm. right? We, uh, we mentioned earlier that, uh, that pro football focus says they have the 31st or the 30th ranked 30th. offensive line in the NFL. And it's funny. I mean, we're sort of looking at it and saying, okay, they could be better. You got these two tackles who are moving forward and they've got a guard that you like and maybe a rookie center. And and I do think that there is an issue potentially with the fact that you could be starting two rookies on your offensive line or one rookie and a guy that, you know, has basically been a backup for most of his time in the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. Are, are we getting fooled here, Brock? Mm-hmm. And two second-year offensive tackles, still an incredibly young. But, you know, I'll come back to if they've done enough. So, you know, you spend on Dre, you spend on free agency where you can, and then you go and you get your number one target, mm. right? You go and get your number one corner. You go and get your number one wide receiver. You go and get the number one guys in those positions. I, I got to tell you, it, it still feels, feels to me, and I'm I'm very bullish on the direction the Seahawks are going. It still feels like they're another year away. Like they're another couple of moves away mm-hmm. from truly being in contention. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? 
kind of feels like 11-12 with so many young guys that you're really high on, but it's going to take a Bennett and Averill, right? And is that Dre and Jaron? It's going to take a step forward. I'll tell you, you know, and I, and I hate to put a ton of pressure, and maybe we can dig into this a little further tomorrow. I mean, I think uh, quite a bit does hinge on number 33. You know, because he was not a factor for you at all last year. It's really hard for me to believe, though, that that you can set up a team that counts on Jamal Adams. I, I, yeah, to, I didn't to, say to count. Be... I didn't say count. I used that word hinge purposely. Like, you know, it it is. I mean, I know it may be semantics, but to me, that's different. Counting sounds, is like you're doomed. Like yeah, you're doomed without him. Hinges is a little bit more like, yeah, you live without him last year, and you can hinge, and you can be a nine-win team, but. Yeah, count like no, they're not a six-win team of Jamal. No, I understand that, but in order to truly contend, it sounds like yeah, that one's yeah. hard for me, man. But he I is, don't a, know. but but he is a piece, man. He is a big, big piece. He's being paid, as I said to my Julio, and I think I've been fairly consistent over this in fourteen years of radio. Like, man, when you are paid that way, more is expected of you. You know, when you are looked upon that way and you've been given that kind of responsibility, more is expected of you. You got nothing from him last year. Nope, nothing. <laughs> Largely the last two years, you've gotten very little from him. If he can be the impact player he once was, that's a big Maybe, maybe step it's just I, I can't remember that far back, and, and I, need, I need a little refresher. COVID was kind of a You know what I might need to do? I might need to go watch some Jamal Adams highlights and remember how fun he was when he was like at his peak, because yeah. I think I've sort of forgotten a little bit about that. All right, it's time for Ranked. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. All right, full transparency. I was in such a bad mood this morning, I didn't even want to do ranked. Yeah, it was not good. Dark wow. place. I was a dark I was cloud. Wow. More, I thought it was hilarious. More piled on your darkness. Sheesh. Let it out. About to go on vacation. She's Let like, this is my last ranked of the week. Oh, you're yeah. done after this, aren't you? You're out of here tomorrow. Wow. All right. Well, with that in mind, since I was so mad, mad ranked. Oh, mad, mad. ranked. You, hold on a second. Don't you try to pull one on me, Amora. You're telling me that you have never ranked you? We've never ranked you of mad? all people that don't even know sad. He ranked sad. But you know mad? You've never, never ranked never mad? Never ranked mad. Like truly um, madly deeply. Uh, like, Heck yeah, Savage Garden. Not as good as their other songs. I can see Brock slow dancing to that. <laughs> How about Mad Dog Chris Russo? Lots to do. Louis Rojas is next. We continue here on Mad Dog Unleashed. Back. Right after this. Or Mad Dog 2020. Oh, MD. Let's go. I want to know how to get those colors. Is that a drink? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Delicious. <laughs> is it? It's an elixir. <laughs> Would you call it delicious? Maybe swill. You got, sure. you got Mad Max. You a fan of those series? Uh, it's hard to go back now, man. I got to tell you. Hard for me to watch Mel. No, he wanted the new one. New one, great. It's fantastic. Hard to go back and watch Mel Gibson. Yeah, get that. I find it very hard to watch Mel Gibson. Do you like the apocalyptic movies? Yes, I love post-apocalyptic movies in general. I love Book of Eli. Yeah, I generally am a big fan of post-apocalyptic stuff. 
but it's hard for me to go back and watch the old Mad Maxes. I just, I can't, I, I can't watch Braveheart either. I can't do it with Mel Gibson, man. Mm-hmm. All right. I can't do it. Okay. Can't do it. Of course, you got Mad Bum. Clown. Golly. No shame. No shame. Like, it's seven to one. You hear your third homer of the year, you act like Barry Bonds breaking the record. <laughs> Clean it up. Clean it up. Clean it up. <laughs> Is he on the market, by the way? Yeah, but he's done. Arizona let go of him. He's on. He's done. He's done. Don't want that. Yeah, it's sad, but he's he's done. Elton John, Madman Across the Water. It's probably a better album than it is a song. It's got a great album cover too. Huh. We go Belinda Carlisle Brock. I know you like her. She was the lead singer of the yep. Go Go's. I was mad about you. You're going to put the show then in the top five? Uh, not in the top five, but I do love the show Mad About You. Okay. Paul Reiser, Helen, Helen Hunt, right? Good show. A little too young to understand that one, but I remember my mom watched it a lot. Yeah. How about the Mad Hatter mm. from Alice in Wonderland? Creepy. Mad Money with uh, Jim Cramer. Mad yep. TV up in Canada. Mad Magazine, right? Well, I was in the top five. Oh, never mind. Sorry. It's actually a top five mad. So, so what about the, uh, are we going to, are we going to go Madden? Can we say the Madden brothers from good Charlotte? Sure. Or John Madden, you could put in there as well. Mm, yes, or Madden the game. Of course, but you couldn't do Mount for Mountain. No, no, that wouldn't work. Cause that's, that's mountain. the other way around. Yeah. yeah. Of course you got teriyaki madness. Oh, yes. I know you were going to put that one in there on uh, 45th. I love teriyaki, That's kind of my go-to teriyaki spot. I was in Puyallup yesterday and watched a guy try to pay for his teriyaki with a fake $100 bill. And it was so comically fake that I was like, are you serious, guy? <laughs> it's like Monopoly money. In, P- in P-Town? Yes, in P-Town. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Did you go see Peg and Mike? I didn't. I, I was you their address. on your door, though. Maybe Brock, do you know the band Madness? No. Sure. It's a- I mean, I know the song. Well, that's by Madness. Oh, was it? Yeah. A few others or no? One <laughs> no, really kind of just that one. <laughs> it's kind of a one-hit wonder. I didn't put it in there, but the sound of Madness, Shine Down, since I know you don't, you like making I was going to get Shine Down in there. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. You really should have put that in here. Ah. Of course, you got Billy Madison. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. <laughs> we could use that drop a lot. Funny that that's the Billy Madison cut that we have. In oh, there's a bunch more. Uh, what else are we going to do? Don't we have? Uh, oh, we got wit. We got uh, from Network. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. There you go. Famous, famous clip. You ready for the top five, Brock? Yeah. Does that mean one of mine is going to make it? One of yours? Well, it's a Tears for Fears cover. Uh, what was that? Mr. Gary Jules. No, oh, I don't have that. What is oh, that? Oh, Mad World. It's a mad, 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 mad world. No, that was different. an old. That's different. No, not mad that. Mad world. Gary Jules' cover tier for Fear song. This was the Donnie Darko song. So everyone knows of that. When people run in circles, it's Were they just speaking English? Whatever Justin just said. I have no idea what this is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Never Justin. heard this. All around me are familiar faces. No. Really, a Tears for Fears song. Maybe I know the Tears for Fears version. Yeah. Okay. That's upsetting. <laughs> I feel like you'd like Donnie Darko. Number five, gonna shout out my guy. You mad, mad, bro? Richard Sherman. <laughs> you mad, bro? He does like sports, Rock. I got that in there, Brock. You, you didn't think it was going to make? <laughs> no, that's good. That's really good. So you and Doug are boys now. You and Richard, we're going to get <laughs> no, there? No. I don't 
don't think Richard and I are quite ready to be boys just yet. Number four, you mentioned it, Brock, but Alfred E. Newman and Mad Magazine. Did you just get Mad Magazine when you were a kid? No, never got it. Really? But, but it was around. It had others, and it was in the, like... Spy versus Spy. Dental office. You do yeah. the thing where you'd, you'd uh, fold up fold the back over, page. Fold it over, sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. Were you big into that? Huh? I was more of a Sports Illustrated guy. I mean, I had both. No, I was more of a Sports Illustrated guy. <laughs> I like that you believe that because <laughs> I had Mad Magazine or like Circus Magazine to t- right, you know, for right. metal and stuff, no, that I more... also didn't have SI. Like, sure, you can't sure, do no. both of those things. No, 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 no. It was more about the Afro, more about the Boombox, more about Anthrax, more about all the angry music. You can have both. <laughs> I don't see why you can't do both of those things. He was also having tea with opponents after football games. That wasn't until high school. Very culture. That was later. Number three, Diary of a Madman. Awesome. Yes. Nice job. Also, Top Five Mountain. Yeah. Top Five Mountain. Yeah. Badland Dementia. But that's from the album... Diary of a Madman. Diary of a Madman. Mm. I don't know. He's going to perform down in Indio. They get this, that big show down there. I'm debating whether or not to go. If what? the Mariners make the playoffs, it'd be out. But if the Mariners are going to continue to not look like a playoff team, there's this show down at Coachella, right? So it's three nights, two bands each night. Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Metallica, what? Ozzy Osbourne, Iron Maiden, and Tool. Right now? What? I know. <laughs> in Indio? Yeah. Six hundred bucks. Do you know the age of the average age? I know. In and Ozzy's like in a wheelchair. Oh my god! He is goodness. right now. I know. That it's was number two. That was number three. Uh, the two hundred six says this segment makes me feel like I have mad cow disease. <laughs> and the four two five says more. I don't go. Last time you went on vacation, ranked officially went off the rails. Who knows where it's going next? God help us wow. all. Well, we're gonna get to you leaving here in just a minute, Maura. Number two on our list: local guys, mad, uh, mad season. You know this song? No. Oh, you should. It's a great song. That's Mad Season. Mad Season. Expected that to be number one. Really? Well, it would have been number one. It was was back and forth. But since Mora is leaving, I thought there was only one song that we could play for her on her way out the door before she goes to beautiful Iowa. Just go away. All right, there you go. That is number one, Motley Crue. Girl, don't go away mad. Might not come back. Just go away. Have a great time in Iowa. Thank you. In June. I know. Maura's big mad with ranked. My friend had a baby. I got to go see her. I I understand it's not maybe the the top vacation destination. Could be great. I don't know. Could be great. You ever divorced a friend? Just like, yeah, we're done. We're no longer friends. You think your life choices are affecting our friendship like moving to Iowa. You want me to come to Iowa in she June to see your it, baby? I'm out. She just had a baby. She All could right. be exhausted oh, by no. eight at night. We got to get out of here. Oh. We're, uh, we're, oh, we're Stacey are going to be barn. mad at us. Barn. So we will see you guys tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Until then, the hay is in barn. the barn. See everybody.